Hello and welcome to Jumpcast, the podcast brought to you by the award-winning team over at JumpCut Online. I'm your host, Reese, and today I'm here to talk about all things David Fincher, specifically his brand new film on Netflix, Mank. Um, to join me on this podcast, talk about David Fincher, I have brought two very keen Fincher fans. Um, first of which is a Jump Cut Online writer. It's Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi there. How are we doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. How are you with your Fincher kind of progress going? Um, well, I've seen probably 90% of them. I've got a couple to work through, but um, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of what I've seen so far and have been for a few years. I've kind of, first one I remember watching was Benjamin Button, I think, mm-hmm. which is probably not the best one to start with, but I was only <laughs> relatively, young, relatively young when it came out. Um, and yeah, and then kind of gradually work. They're not all perfect, but you know, I think he's a very interesting filmmaker and um, you know, Mank was, was pretty interesting to say I, the least. I agree with that. Um, and joining us today is a jump cut newbie, a jump cast newbie, I guess. It is Erica. Hello, Erica. Hi, friends. How's it going? I'm so excited to be here chatting with you guys. <laughs> it's very nice to speak to you. Um, yes. I know that from kind of our chats before that you are yes. a bit of a big Fincher fan. I'm obsessed with him. Like, <laughs> it's an obsession. <laughs> I mean, do you know how many times you've watched the social network at this point? Oh, my God. Reese. <laughs> Ballpark it... figure. It's got it. It's honestly like, okay, so since it hit Netflix in the US, when I tell you I've watched it at least once, more so like twice a week for months <laughs> now, like that's not an exaggeration. Like I watch it all. I'm like obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. Like I can't get enough of it. <laughs> it is. It's one of my favorites of it as well, but we'll get to that later on. The yeah. Episode. Yeah. 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 For um, sure. So before we get into the Mank conversation, um, it would be a bit silly if we don't touch upon the massive bombshell news that struck the inset this week. Yeah. That film Twitter kind of lost their heads over. <laughs> um, it's the announcement that Warner Brothers Studios, every film they've got for the 2021 slate of movies, is going to be kind of released simultaneously on their streaming service in America, HBO Max. Um, so what that means for America is a bit different than what it means for us in the UK. Yeah. Because we will still get kind of a and a cinema exclusive run for about a month or so before it comes online to streaming, whatever that may be. Um, but it's a bit of a bombshell kind of move and it's, it does change kind of movie going for the future going forward. Um, so I guess I'll start with you, Erica, because obviously it affects you more than I think us two. Right. Um, well, really quick, I have a question. Do you guys not have HBO Max in the UK? Because I feel like I saw a bunch of tweets about that. No, we... So our kind of HBO stuff goes on a channel called Sky Atlantic. Oh, okay. Um, so that's got kind of all, everything like Game of Thrones, you know, Mad Men, um, The Wire, all that kind of stuff. Right, um, right. But it's not like a streaming service. It's a, ch- it's a channel online on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So how does well, it affect it's... you? Oh, sorry, well, yeah, Chris, you go. I'll say Sky, yeah, Sky Atlantic is like a TV channel and it, it has, yeah. it's not just HBO, it's kind of AMC stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because I think Mad, Mad Men and things like that go through it as well. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Gotcha. So it kind of amalgamates the the US content. Here's my thing. Like HBO and HBO Max specifically was like non-negotiable for me. So Mm -hmm. I just, I love everything HBO Max does. And then of course, also, if you know me at all, you know, I'm a Friends fanatic. Um, Mm -hmm. And Friends was exclusively going to HBO Max. So it was like, I will sell my soul to have this. Like, not that I don't already own all the seasons on DVD, like, but the ability to stream them, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you 15 bucks a month for the rest of my life to be able to stream conveniently friends episodes that I've yeah. seen that I've literally seen a thousand times. 
Um, <laughs> so like, like I said, HBO, HBO Max is a non-negotiable for me. So I had um, uh, signed up even before it launched. They were doing like a deal or whatever. So I had signed up for HBO Max before um, it even hit uh, here in the US. But I, some friends after this news was announced, they they were like, oh, I just signed up for HBO Max. I'm like, you didn't have it before? Like, what were you doing? Mm. But so I think it'll bring a lot of new customers to them. But honestly, like, I'm I'm kind of in the middle about it. Like, I feel like if you're one of those people who enjoys going to the movies, going to the theater, um, you're going to continue to do that. And there's certain movies that, like, you want to see on the big screen, right? Like, not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think really just, like, in terms of accessibility, like... I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's going to allow a lot more audiences for for like these films that maybe wouldn't have ventured out to the theater, maybe would have caught it later on streaming. But there's people, you know, I mean, obviously, like we're going to be dealing with this pandemic for a while, especially here in the United States. So there's going to be people that aren't comfortable going to the theater. And I think HBO, HBO Max, Warner Brother, whatever realizes that and they still want people to see their films so i Mm. i think for accessibility reasons it's a good thing i think i think it's a good thing and i think if you i don't think this is going to kill theaters maybe i'm like really optimistic and i (laughs) also don't want theaters to go away because i love going (laughs) to the theater um but i i think i think overall it's a good thing i really do i mean I don't have an issue with it. I'm still going to go to the theater to see the ones that I want to see in theaters. But also for me, like, I'm not, I'm not like into the, like superhero kind of movies. So like Wonder Woman, I just watched the first Wonder Woman like a couple months ago because I had no really desire to see it. But now that the new one's coming out, like I'll probably watch it that day or like a couple days after where like it made its run in the theater, like the other one made its run in the theater. And then I didn't watch it for a really long time because mm. I really had no interest, you know? So I think if it's streaming, there's more of a chance that I'm going to watch some films that I really wouldn't have before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think I'm in a similar position where I think it's going forward. I think long-term it's a quite a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it is a concern for the cinema in the UK, I think, and all right. over the world, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because I think if people have the choice between going to the cinema and going, kind of watching it at home, I do think most people would probably say, I'll watch it at home because it's easier. Right. Um, but for me, as a you know a cinema purist, I right. probably would go to the cinema. Right, but same, same. That's just me. Yeah. Um, Chris, I, I'm what like, do you wait, think? Right for... now, but right now I'm like, okay, but give me Dune now on HBO Max. Like, I'll still, oh, yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll still go. I would see, love to. Yeah, like I'll still go see it in October next year in the theater. But like, give it to me now. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. Like, just put it on HBO Max now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with that. Actually, give me Dune yeah. in any. I'll watch it on my Apple Watch if I need to. Same. Just give me Dune. Right, right. <laughs> um chris what are your thoughts on the situation well, it's, <clears throat> it's an interesting one because some of the titles i think wouldn't have done necessarily amazingly amazing business in the cinema <clears throat> so it's a good kind of audience booster for them but then obviously the tentpole titles they kind of need to be seen on the big screen and i know for the uk yeah. there'll be cinema first and then sky or whoever picks up the <clears throat> the package at the end of it yeah but it's, it's an odd one you know june and i think wonder woman I'm trying to think of some of the other titles that have been delayed. The Batman, if this, if that gets rolled in with it as well, mm. you know, oh they do. Oh God, it the, will be. Well, the Batman's delayed to 2022, isn't it? And I think oh. it's the, this is only a temporary deal, if my understanding of it's right. So oh. Batman might not be, but if it is, obviously that needs to be seen 
on, on the biggest, biggest screen, screen as possible. possible. Same with June. You know, June is one of the films people were most hyped for this yeah. year, certainly from a sci-fi perspective. Yeah. And that film is the IMAX, you know, needs to be 3D, the whole shebang right. for that film. Right, right. I mean, obviously it will look great in your living room. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, saw Blade, I saw Blade Runner 2049 at home, but I really wish I'd seen that in cinemas. Mm. You know, oh, yeah. those films need to be seen on the big screen. Um, but I think I think we're a certain niche group of people that believe that. I think regular, average, yeah, that's true. you know, I think some people don't really care about that. They're like, whatever, I have a huge TV, it doesn't matter. And like Reese, like you were saying, you're like a cinema purist. Like same, I I would go to the movie theater every day if I could, you know. Um, so I just think I just I, I'm torn. Like I said, I don't want this to hurt movie theaters, but I think this is good for accessibility for people that mm. that can't get to theaters for whatever reason. They're high risk, or you know whatever the reason is, right? I think well, I did I'm see. Sorry, I I did see a tweet about um this situation. That was said that it was much more about trying to get people to sign up to HBO Max. Mm. Like I think the the service didn't do as well as they thought it would on kind of in the first few months of its life. So maybe this is kind of an easy solution of we're in a pandemic, so we want people to see our films, but also we've got this service that is currently not doing as well as it should. Let's give that thing a boost while helping cinemas kind of helping films still be seen. If that makes sense. Hmm. Um, So from that perspective, I think it's quite interesting. Um, anyway, Chris, could I cut you off there? Sorry, carry on. Um, I've lost work. Oh, I think I was going to say, I think it's good. I think this relates to what you were saying about films being available at this time. You yeah. know, um, Netflix has been good for their film output this year. And I, I think some of them would have been on Netflix anyway, but things like, you know, Trial of the Chicago 7, mm-hmm. Rebecca, I know it got middling reviews. It's good to be able to see these films at a time when, you know, people need comfort. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think, so, I, so I think that will obviously carry on with this deal. If yeah. people aren't comfortable with going to the theatres, as, as you said, then they can see whatever film it is from the comfort of their living room, which is mm. which is great. I, I think the Netflix model is the way forward, really, because you know, like yeah. this year, I saw Chicago Seven at the cinema, and then mm-hmm. about two weeks later, it came onto Netflix, and to me, that was like perfect. You know, it gives a chance for the film to be seen on the big screen, mm-hmm. and then you can then rewatch it again two weeks later. You know, right? For yeah. me, that would be the, the best way going forward. This is probably what Warner are aiming for. That kind of level of success, right? Right. Well, Apple TV is the same model, don't they? Because I think On the Rocks had a cinema run. Yeah, it did. Uh, a, w- a week or two before it was on Apple TV. So I think that's a very good model that they should try and uh, copy, if yeah. possible, because it gives everyone a chance to see it. If they want to see it on the big screen, they can. If they want to see it, wait for it, they can as well. Exactly. I do wonder. I do wonder if, um, like, for in terms of box office numbers, for example, will streaming kind of profit be kind of put into the box office takings as well? That's a good point. They obviously do that with music to an extent, although I know mm. streams don't make up anywhere near as many as the sales, but Netflix no. obviously track how many people have watched a film. So whether yeah. they then count that as a portion of the film's profit or not would be interesting, yeah. yeah well, it depends if, you know, like HBO Max, I think, aren't they offering the films just as part of the service? I'm going to pay extra for them. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. so that, that'll, be a, that'll be a watch kind of time thing, I guess. But then, you know, with in the UK... No, we could watch this year. You know, Invisible Man went on to streaming uh, premium VOD service. So I guess that was that fifteen pounds would go towards the profit as well. I just mm-hmm. don't know. It's an interesting situation to be in. Yeah, I think um, this is. I mean, this is totally new, right? Like, yeah. Who knows? I, I, that's a great question. I I haven't even thought about that to be honest. I think this is kind of one of those decisions that you know, back in the back, you a music. I think was a good comparison, Chris, where you said that. Things like Spotify has really ch- completely changed how music is consumed. 
and how that is kind of delivered to the masses. So things like the charts have were completely altered by streaming and they've had to kind of adapt that to be kind of this new model. I wonder if that's the future of movies as well, where they can take into most stream movies in the week and who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so on to more positive um, topics. So <laughs> this week on this Friday, just gone, and I did have a cinema release as well. Uh, we did have David Fincher's Mank. Is David Fincher is a phenomenal director, and this was his first film in six years since twenty fourteen's Gone Girl. I know it's just he's such a talented director. Well, I, I know he's wonder. done TV for House of Cards, Mine oh, yeah. Hunter. Yeah. So it's not it's not like he's been you know not been busy. Right. No, right. it's not. But I think I do. I've always missed. I've missed his voice in cinema. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think he's got a very unique um, storytelling voice. Yeah. Um, but if you're not aware, Mank is the story of the writer Herman Mankiewicz. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. And he is the person who wrote the screenplay for Citizen Kane alongside Orson Welles. We'll get to that later. Um, and he won the best screenplay for it. And it is the kind of story of how Citizen Kane was written. Um, from the perspective of the writer as we know him as Mank. Um, But before we get to the film itself, why not talk about the actual film it's based on? So Citizen Kane, um, full disclosure, I watched it for the first time about two days ago. Oh my gosh. Um, I know. I watched it in preparation for Mank, and I'm very glad I did. Um, So why not? I'll go to Chris first. What are your thoughts on Citizen Kane, first of all? Exactly the same as you. I had my first watch. Uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm. Uh, just just gone. And um, well, it, it's an. Inter- I'm a bit divided on it, and I think I will need multiple viewings to to really kind of dive into it. As a lot of the classics, you know, that you need to dissect a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel some maybe its ideas have aged better than it has. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure there's some probably some subtle things I've missed. And technically, I was blown away as well. Like technically, yeah. it's all that era is by far one of the most kind of innovative films I've seen mm-hmm. from the kind of 30s 40s uh, like some of the the scale how they aged wells up as well i know that's quite a small yeah. detail mm-hmm. but like they made him look old mm-hmm. and obviously this is before cgi and and so they had you know limited cap- capability to do that but you know it's believable that he was an old man yeah even though wells was only 25 or 24 at the time mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i feel um i'm not gonna have a proper opinion until i see it a second time i did enjoy it um I can perhaps see why it was a classic at the time, but I think some other films that are kind of heralded as the greatest films of all time have aged better than it, it has. Okay. And I know that's a bit of a bold statement, but... <laughs> Do you have an example I'll... of a film that you think has aged better? Like, what it... like? Well, I was thinking, thinking some of um, The Apartment, mm. oh, a bit later, yes, but I feel that yes. it, that has aged better than Citizen Kane has. Obviously, mm. The Godfather films, I know these are some years after, but mm-hmm. they work better as films to watch for the first time than Citizen Kane does. I would, mm, and I yeah. think are probably more accessible for for moviegoers wanting to get into some of the classics than this yes. is. I feel they'd I be better starting I don't disagree points. with you at all on that. Possibly Fellini and Goddard's stuff as well, I think has mm. aged pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, so I didn't not enjoy it, but I think there's obviously a lot of stuff to pick up on. And I think I, I probably missed quite a lot on my first viewing. But <laughs> as I say, technically I was blown away. I thought the scope of it was great. And I thought some of the ideas were fantastic, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what Wells was trying to say and, and Mank was trying to say. And, I actually feel similarly about Mank, about how I do about Citizen Kane, but I'll jump onto that obviously okay. later. <laughs> I think I feel very similar in that I could I could see how Citizen Kane has influenced so many films that came after it. Yeah. Um, like there was the whole scene when he, you know, they're at this, that dinner and he has that kind of 
row of girls all dancing and singing his name and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That to me was a very Wolf of Wall Street esque mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I got that kind of same vibe from you know Scorsese's film. So that was I thought that was really cool. But I could just I'm like you, I could appreciate the scale. I thought things like the lighting was amazing, the way they yes, kind of yes. used yeah. blocking and shadows. Yeah. And, you know silhouettes i thought it was beautiful just the compass um, and just the composition of the shots like yeah we're just uh, for that especially for that time just so creative mm-hmm. so innovative and yeah i'm just such a nerd for that kind of stuff so he's i think you could see that how that became such a revolutionary film for filmmaking around mm-hmm. that time yes um and also i think as well awesome wells himself as an actor what a presence mm-hmm. like he was yeah, he's terrific, phenomenal terrific. in that film it's just you know he's so kind of tall and commanding of the scene that you know, i remember there was one lovely shot where he was just literally staring down over someone um and i just thought orson wells is a beast and i wouldn't want to cross his path <laughs> um uh erica what are your thoughts on citizen kane so i'll be completely transparent um the first time i saw citizen kane i was like 20 years old in undergrad so i have two degrees in production and film right so mm-hmm. When I first saw it in undergrad, I was like 20 and I was like, this is the greatest film ever made. Like, yeah, right. (laughs) Like this, I was just like, like whatever. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, I'm an idiot. This is a masterpiece. (laughs) Like this is incredible. Um, And then obviously I had to watch it a couple of times for my master's degree. And and for me, it just, it just got better every time, honestly. Um, And I've watched it a couple of times. Uh, since preparing for Mink. Um, I saw Mink a couple of weeks ago in theaters before it hit Netflix. Mm-hmm. I watched it before I went to go see that. Um, then I watched it again yesterday before my rewatch of Mink. Um, but yeah, I just think like all the things you guys just said, like you realize how technically amazing it is. Um, you're blown away by like the makeup, like you said, like making him look old and mm-hmm. like, you know, the nonlinear storytelling is just all... Like you realize why, you know, it was um, the, you know, greatest film ever made on like the sight, sight and sound uh, list yeah. for 50 years. And then it was um, bumped down by, uh, of course, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, which if you've never seen mm-hmm. that. And if you also know me, Hitchcock is my number one um, mm-hmm. <laughs> director. Fincher's right behind him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Vertigo's an incredible film. Um, and, and Chris, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you that some other films like The Apartment, I'm a huge Billy Wilder fan as well. Um, I think that's aged wonderfully. I think, I think certain audiences will enjoy Citizen Kane. I don't think it's for everyone, but that's why I think mm. if you consider yourself a film person, a movie person, a cinephile, it is mandatory viewing. Um, I, I, I just, just kind of what it means for cinema going exactly forward, yeah know? it's like one of those like you have to watch it. it only if and even if only you watch it once whatever it's just if you consider mm. yourself a film person you have to see citizen kane it's just one of those mm. and like i don't mean that in like a obnoxious way it's just like you have to you have to watch citizen kane you just have to right i agree yeah, so I agree with yeah i'd say so as well yeah yeah so did you think that watching citizen kane did it help your viewing of mank for the first time chris um, oh, that's a tough one, actually. Um, <laughs> yes, in terms of picking up kind of subtle details that they mm-hmm. reference in in yeah. Mank. Yeah. So kind of close ups, some of the imagery, the way the film's um, cut and shot, mm-hmm. obviously is is reminiscent of Citizen Kane. Yeah. And sort of, and kind of just getting a feel for kind of the subtle detail. Yeah. So I think it did help. I think Mank would have been quite hard to follow if you hadn't seen Citizen Kane. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I wouldn't say it's mandatory, but obviously, like 
the whole point is is about the making of Citizen Kane. So yeah, you kind of ha- can't have one without the other, really. Um, right. Erica, do you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I've seen a lot of people like on Twitter, especially, and even just like some friends of mine, like, well, do I have to watch Citizen Kane before I watch Mank? And I'm always like, <laughs> well, first of all, you should watch Citizen Kane, period. Like, even if Mank, Mank didn't <laughs> exist, like, again, I think Citizen Kane is like, you should just, you have to watch it. Um, But yeah, a lot of people have been asking that. I'm like, look, Mank is not at all a sequel to Citizen Kane, but it's like, just like Chris said, like, you kind of can't have one without the other. Like, don't you want to see Citizen Kane so you know the references in Mank or, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Citizen Kane is the source material for Mank, right? Like, yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't you watch it? You know, why wouldn't you? It's a perfect double bill. I mean, like, yeah, I think it's not. No, no, I think you have to. I think you have to watch Citizen <laughs> Kane before you watch Mank. Yeah, I think I'm I, I couldn't imagine watching Mank having not seen exactly yeah exactly Exactly. yeah because they were there are moments in it that you know there's a point towards the end when um Orson Welles picks a box and throws it and that feels you know yeah that really important scene in the actual Citizen Kane film you're thinking oh that's so cool right um and I think it's I I would say that before you watch Mank you've not watched it yet you should watch Citizen Kane first um and if you're in the UK you're very lucky that it is currently on BBC iPlayer for it for completely free um, so if you want to go and watch Citizen Kane first, yeah, I and totally recommended it. And yeah. speaking of HBO Max, um, Citizen Kane is on HBO Max in the US. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we are crossing the streams here. We've got look at that HBO Very Max good. and BBC iPlayer, just perfect. <laughs> um, all right then. So why not get into Mank itself? Um, so if you've not picked up on it by now, um, Mank is the story of the writer of Citizen Kane. And how he wrote it, and it's also kind of a bit of a parable about Hollywood and that kind of era and politics, and it's got lots of things to say about the filmmaking business. Um, so why not start with you, Erica, as you saw it in a cinema, mm-hmm. um, what are your general thoughts on Mank as a feature film? Well, again, full transparency, I think I'm biased because um, I don't think Fincher could not do something amazing. So... And, and you know what? It's interesting, too. I'll just say this because there's been a lot of split, you know, feelings about this, especially on Twitter. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I think someone who is so well known and well respected and he's known for doing such amazing work. I think people are more critical. Right. Like mm-hmm. than other films. So I think, you know, if you haven't seen Mank and you're seeing all the things on Twitter, just watch it for yourself and make an opinion for yourself. Um but it's just interesting to me how like criticized it's getting um, compared to other things, I think. So I just think when you're at a higher level, you're held to a higher standard, right? But I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was amazing. Like, I was so giddy to go to the theater and see this. I had to drive a little over an hour. Um, the only, the closest theater that was playing it near me um, was in a different state in Virginia. I'm from Baltimore, Um <laughs> from Baltimore, Maryland. So I had to drive to Virginia, which isn't that, and like I said, it was just a little over an hour there, a little over an hour back. Um, and I would do it again. I was so giddy um, as soon as I sat down. But I'm also like, I'm someone who loves old Hollywood films. Like I love, mm-hmm. I love old films. So as soon as we sat, so as soon as I sat down and it started and even like that old tiny, like um, credit opening, I was just like drooling. Like I just loved it. <laughs> right. And then like even you know those little tiny details of like the cube lips like did you guys notice that 
um, throughout. Oh, the, when, right, in the corner of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so those, yes uh, I did. Yeah. Spotted, spotted a few uh, of them. Probably yeah. not all of them, but. Yeah. Oh my God. Spotted, I yeah. just literally, like when I saw, the, like when the first one popped up, I literally gasped. I'm just like, those <laughs> little kind of details, like that, of course, Fincher is someone who is so, so focused on details, right? Like he's known for, you know, shooting scenes a million times, right? Like that's why I respect him so much because he is so detail oriented. So those little details, I was just like drooling over, like I said, because um, those cube lips, do you guys know what those are? Is that the end of a reel? And Correct. it switches to the next one. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I just, I love that little tiny detail. Like it made me feel like it was an old film that I was watching. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I thought it like was... Fincher is one of those filmmakers that yeah. he has those touches because right. he does a surprising amount of work with CGI when he makes his films and a CGI that you wouldn't notice normally yes I think that's one of them where you just made that small adjustment that made you feel like oh this is from 1941 right you know and it was it did make a difference I noticed it and I thought that's quite clever oh um, I love it I love it like I just eat that kind of stuff up so I <laughs> so those things yes um I thought uh Gary Oldman was phenomenal i'm not mm -hmm. it's funny because like i'm not a huge fan of his i don't think he should have won the oscar for the darkest hour i thought mm -hmm. like i'm like oh he just was like an angry old man yelling on screen which <laughs> it's funny it's funny because <laughs> herman Mankiewicz is kind of the same thing but i thought he was <laughs> i thought he was phenomenal i'm like he was made like I, I was watching him and i'm like this is not gary oldman this is Mank, right um yeah and like it, it's not like i knew who mank was really before all of this but I could just feel like he just completely captured the character. Um, I thought the writing was really well done. I also love this whole thing. Like this was, you know, um, David Fincher's father, Jack Fincher wrote this, gosh, what, 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, and oh, shoot, I meant to write this down. I read some article that like uh, he had originally like planned to make it a film like soon after his father had written it. And I, mm. I can't remember who the who the people were that were going to play these characters. But it's so funny because I was like, oh, man, I should have wrote this down. I'm sorry, guys. Um, That's okay. That's all right. Um, but now I kind of want to look it up. Um, yeah. And I'm just thinking like, oh, my gosh, this would have been such a different film if it was made back then with those actors. You know, um, Amanda Seyfried. Mm. I mean, from the first moment we see her on screen, she's she's unlike how we've ever seen her before. Right. Um, mm. I think this completely pinpoints like a definitive shift in her career um i think she'll take on much different roles from here on out um but honestly like the stand like again they both were amazing incredible i think they'll get nominations um the standout for me was tuppence middleton like who played um poor sarah his wife yeah um she was i loved her like she was so good um mm. i craved more of her honestly um but yeah, I thought the dialogue was snappy and fun. The editing was really well done. Um, like I said, or like I think somebody else said, um, there were scenes from Mank that like they look like they could have been completely cut from Kane and you would have never known it. Yeah. Like he really mm. paid attention again to those details of the shot composition, the deep focus in certain scenes, um, the lighting. Oh my gosh, speaking of CGI, like I read some hmm. article that um, the window panes were real, but the lighting was CGI, which is interesting. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously there's lighting on set, right? But like the the images that you see of the light were CGI, I think, um, which was just, yeah, I know he's incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a technical 
like beautifully done film. I thought the acting was great. The dialogue was great. You know, I mean, again, like I don't, I'm, I know I'm biased because I just immediately love everything Fincher does, but I just don't see how people are shitting on this film. Like, I think it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what are you, what do you, ha- wait, what? Like, you're just being critical to be critical. Like, what are you even being critical of? It's incredible, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. I've yeah. got some points to make later on. Um, I do them. as well. <laughs> oh God. I'm going to. Yeah. Fincher, baby, I'm defending. But... I'm defending you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that you kind of took things from it, and I think yeah. I think it might benefit from a second viewing because I think yes, what I'm like you in that I think technically it was phenomenal, and I think it was you know so well crafted. I just have an issue with the actual storytelling of it, but mm. we'll get to my perspective after. Okay, um, Chris, Mank thoughts. Um, well, I think I was technically absolutely astounded. So. <laughs> Uh, everything Eric has just mentioned, I think, is it, about the techni- technical aspects is spot on. I think it was really, really well done to make it feel like a 1940s film. Mm-hmm. Personally, I actually think it's one of Oldman's weakest performances. Ooh. I I think he was going through the similar beats to to Churchill, as you said, but I and I, I guess I didn't really like him in Darkest Hour either. Yeah. Mm. But I think I know the age difference between him and Mank um, is something that's been brought up a few times, and some people have defended it, and some people have said it's a, a, um, something to be critical about. But mm-hmm. I think you can't really overlook it. He was he's playing someone in his early thirties for most of the film, and he's sixty-two. <laughs> yeah. That's too that's too much to overlook for me. Okay, yeah. okay, um, good point. I had, okay. I, had I not known that Mank was meant to be that young, I wouldn't have mm. noticed it. But I obviously reading a few articles about it, I was like, oh, you mm. know, now I can't not think he's twenty odd years older than he should be. Mm. With Tom Burke was also quite a lot older than Orson oh. Wells. Oh my but, gosh, thank you and for I think, bringing and him I up. think he was my highlight of the film. He was absolutely so fantastic. Yeah. Pro- we didn't have enough of him. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. But he I hope he's in the mix for Oscar Noms. I really do because he was terrific. Yes. Mm. And he kind of made a character. He probably has what five, maybe 10 minutes of screen time. Every time he was on screen, he demanded your full attention. Yes. He was absolutely mind-blowing. And I thought Charles Dance was great as well. Yep. Um, so I think those two performances were two of my favourites. I did think yeah. Amanda Seyfried was good, but I feel like some, a few people have said she's not in it enough to justify the praise she's getting. Because again, she's probably not in it much more than Tom Burke is. Yeah, I'm Possibly glad a you... little bit more, but yeah. but um, I think noms for her would be, you know, I thought they're, they're, all three of those are probably deserving of nominations. I'm glad uh, you Dance, brought him Burke up and, because um... I've been meaning to look up, and I don't know if either of you guys have done any research. Did they, like... You have to think they did something with his voice to make it sound. Yeah, I thought this. It was incredible. I was like, yeah. wait, this can't be his actual voice. Like, he's not, <laughs> no one's that good, right? Like, no. we, need to look, we, need, we need to look into that. I, I mean, know, he's a I terrific actor in, yeah. in other stuff. Yeah. Um, like, he's currently in The Crown as well. Uh, and he's good in the Strike series on BBC. So he's mm-hmm. a good actor. But I think, yeah, his voice kind of was on uncanny how, oh how it was the, the scenes so on the phone especially it was like yeah. i'm listening to orson wells here i'm not listening yeah. to I assume... but the way that you know the, the prosthetics and yeah. facial makeup as well yeah they mainly made him look like wells yeah i have to assume that was some editing there um yeah um, but it was still so good <laughs> yeah he was driven i just felt a bit i feel like similar to reese the story and the script i think left me a bit cold mm. but again maybe that's something i will appreciate more and i've seen a few people saying the script was meant to leave you cold mm. <laughs> and i was like well you know why it, what a, yeah exactly a weird choice to make yeah i i, I don't but, think that was a conscious choice by fincher i know he's a genius but i don't know <laughs> if that was a 
I can just but I feel like again similar to uh, Citizen Kane I'll need to watch it again but I you know some things I loved some things I was I probably liked it overall didn't love it mm. can I, um, can I, I think just, I was technically in all yeah can I ask you both like what just to play devil's advocate here like what was cold about it like what it what made you have that feeling of coldness um I don't know for me I don't think cold's the word that I would describe okay. it. I was just, I was just a bit bored mm. um and I think it I like the way that it tried to evoke Kane with the kind of the out of structure storytelling and flashing backwards and stuff like that. I thought that was that was fine, mm-hmm. but I don't think the actual content was enough to justify a two hours and ten minute long story. Mm. Um, and I think especially kind of towards the end, the last like twenty minutes or so, that was when I was like, "This is really dragging now." Mm. And I think, but then conversely, I thought the first hour, I thought that was snappy. It was fun. It was energetic. I was mm-hmm. like, "This is what I wanted to see." And there was particularly there's one I thought my favorite bit of the film was when I think Mank goes to speak to MGM I think speaks to mm-hmm. Maya for the first time and they walk down that corridor mm-hmm. and he's talking about what kind of MGM is stands for and you just, it's one long tracking shot goes to the corridor and then outside and I was like that is class that is what Fincher that's is all so about. Fincher I loved that yeah bit. that's yeah. so Fincher yeah. um, but then I think the second half it lacked a bit of that kind of spark and a bit of that energy that the first half had. Um, because I think what was so exciting in the first half is that when you see, you meet all these people that clearly influence the story. So you meet Rita Alexander, you meet Marion Davis, is it? Yeah. Um, and yeah. you meet these people that you know clearly had an impact on the actual screenplay it was writing. But once you'd met all those characters, there wasn't much left to discover. I think he was just, here's how much Mike was a bit of a dickhead um, to various people. Um, but on the same side, I will say about the aging before I get to you, Chris, on your why I thought it was cold. I did think that potentially the fact that Alden was 60 years old and they de-aged him was a bit of like an homage to actual Kane itself because they kind yeah, of aged, yeah. aged Wells good... up during the film. So they de-aged Oldman. I know he doesn't look 32 in the film in, as he should, but mm-hmm. I think that's probably what they were going for in by doing it that way. But maybe that's just me reading too far into it. Um, yeah, Chris, why do you think it was cold then? Um, well, again, I think maybe uh, retrace my steps and say cold's the wrong word, but I, um, <laughs> I think it was probably over over long as well. I think the middle act um, sagged a bit, and I feel a lot of the scenes with Lily Collins in particular um, mm-hmm. didn't really progress the story as they should have done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of shots of him sleeping, <laughs> him waking up from sleeping, and I yeah. was like, you know, there's probably a good ten minutes of him just in bed. Um, yeah, and. I don't know what they added to the story. I mean, um, I think we could have done with more about, I know it's not the Orson Welles story, but Orson Welles needed to be in there a bit more for me mm-hmm. uh, because it's about Citizen Kane, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like, and a lot of it was directed through Sam Troughton's character. Oh, I forget the character's name. Um, Sam Troughton. He played, I did look it up just a second. It's John Houseman. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that I think Wells could have said was said through him and he was mm-hmm. great. He was fine, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, Maybe it was just because it was a bit overlong. I, I, I don't. I don't disagree I don't with either either of the things you guys are saying, but I also think because I was thinking about this too, I did feel like there was some parts in there that felt a little long or a little, you know, like they were drug out a little bit too long. But I feel mm-hmm. like that's also just like how old films are, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I yeah. and I don't know. Maybe I'm like thinking too hard or trying to defend the script or the direction too hard or whatever but like I think that was like I you have to kind of think that was kind of on purpose I don't know and then like there was a little bit of 
that thing where he's telling you, right? Like there's literally that line that's like, you can't capture a man's whole life in two hours. You can only hope to leave the impression of one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's kind of it too. Like some of his life was just in that bed. Like, you know, I, I don't think it always needs to be as snappy and as quick as it was in the first half, but I, I do see your point where it, it drags on a little bit. Um, I don't Mm. disagree, but I, I, I think that's kind of purposeful. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching, but no. this is what film chat's all about. Yeah. Um, well, I will say one of the the scenes I really enjoyed was it was just one heavy dialogue scene where it was that big party. Yes. And I think it was someone's birthday, and they were talking about kind of films, Hollywood, yes. politics, Hitler. Yeah. Like yes. it was everything about conversation this i thought is, that was lovely this is my favorite scene and i also really mm. felt like this was really fincherish um in the way that it was just like shot and edited i felt like it was very much mm-hmm. um reminiscent of the social network and those like little courtrooms you know yeah, yeah. um like the cameras everywhere but you're never lost right like mm-hmm. the camera jumps around so much but you're not confused you know what i mean mm. um and i just think that's I mean, that's so Fincher to me, and he's so good at that. Um, this was that was my favorite scene in the whole film. Yeah, for sure. Mm, that was a lovely scene. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of highlights, Chris, from Mank? Um, the elec- election scene I thought was really well done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I like I like that scene a lot. I thought the dinner scene where he's kind of uh, berating Charles Dance mm-hmm. uh, was was pretty well done as well. Uh, and I think the dinner the scene you mentioned as well, the party. Yeah. where they were talking about sort of politics, Nazism, all that was mm-hmm. was, was well handled as, as well. Yeah, I love the dinner scene at the end too. Can we can we talk about really quick Bill Nye, that cameo? <laughs> the science yeah, guy. I, <laughs> I completely missed that till I saw it afterwards. And I was yeah. like, oh my, wow. <laughs> it was funny, actually. I drug uh, my cousin to the theater with me to see it. And I leaned over to her and I was like, is that fucking Bill Nye? And we both were like, oh my God, I think that was Bill Nye. <laughs> well, I think he, that is a bigger thing for you in America. Okay, than okay. Because he's not a guy right over here. Oh, is he okay, okay. Um, I mean, I think we, um, yeah, we had some clips of him when I was at school, but I think um, oh, he's definitely outside of that, outside of that, people wouldn't know who he no. was. Oh. Your average British cinema goer wouldn't know who the hell he oh, was. Okay. He's a bit like, he's a bit like, um, Mr. Rogers, I think, in that he's a yeah, very... or, or uh, Bob Ross as well. Yeah, oh. they're American cultural touchstone figures, yeah. but over here we wouldn't really have them. We've got bloody um, Art Attack, what's his name? Um, what's Art oh, Attack? Yeah. Uh, oh, Jim Buchanan. Buchanan yeah. Or that. yeah, we've got very different, very weird mm. kind of cultural icons that can look up to compared to Bill <laughs> Nye the Science Guy and Bob Ross. And, uh, <laughs> or it'll be, some people from, like, it'll be people from Blue Peter over here, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Connie <laughs> Huck and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, so yeah, that was very much like a wait, what? Like that, I think is like <laughs> the best cameo ever for me. I'm like Bill Nye, wait. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe that didn't hit as hard for you guys, or wasn't even no, re- wasn't even recognizable. And it's so funny because like didn't... you can't even really see him, but everyone here knows who Bill and I is. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm. so yeah, I think that's probably I guess different for you guys then. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But we're talking of kind of appearances then, so why not yeah. go into a bit of detail about the performances? So I'll you go for you, Chris. Who would you reckon, apart from, they say, Tom Burke, out of Alden and Seyfried, and maybe Collins as well, which one do you think has the most chance of getting an Oscar win? Oh, crumbs. Ooh, um, yeah. In, t- in terms of screen time, I'd say Lily Collins has quite a lot more than Amanda Seyfried, but the mm-hmm. one that's got the buzz 
um, from some of the reviews is definitely Seabreed. Maybe that's yeah, because yeah. she's playing a Hollywood icon mm-hmm. and Collins wasn't. Um, and I guess, as you said, it's kind of so different to Mamma Mia and Mean Girls and some of her other mm-hmm. roles. So I guess it shows she can kind of act. You know, <laughs> Oldman, Oldman's an interesting one because, you know, I wasn't in love with the performance, but it fits kind of Oscar and BAFTA um, yes, know, pedigree. You know, does. playing a big Hollywood icon. Uh, it's a Hollywood biopic. So I, I could potentially see him sweeping all the awards like he did for Darkest Hour mm. if it follows that kind of pattern. And it's like if he starts getting nominations, you know, there's a, sh- a shout. Um, and it'd be weird because obviously there was this big thing about him not having Oscars for years. Mm. Well, and I think prior to Darkest Hour, his only nomination was for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah. And then to have two wins in quite a close succession would be kind of indication for that, really. Mm. Like, but yeah, like I think Bustle. I think probably C3 and Oldman. I don't know if Burke had enough screen time to warrant a nomination because he's not really being talked about. But I thought he was absolutely terrific. So yeah, I think he, he if anyone's des- if anyone's deserving, he is. But mm-hmm. maybe the role's too small to get. I don't know. Five minutes is that enough for a supporting nom? I mean, what's the face? Anne Hathaway got one for Limiz by yeah, being that's on screen true. And, for about and she 12 seconds. Probably doesn't have much more screen time in that than he did in this. Yeah. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think... Well, Charles, Charles Dance, I think, could be in the mix as well. I don't know if he's ever had an Oscar nomination, and he probably should have done. <laughs> he's a great actor, to be fair. I do but like he, he's, you know, he's just a bastion of British, British cinema, isn't he, really? He is, yeah. <laughs> and I think with, with Alden's performance, I think you guys comparing him to this Churchill performance is quite a very apt comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the difference between the two of them is that Churchill was just an angry bloke and he was shouting all the time. And he just, he was a very, it was the most acting rather than the best acting that year. I think he right. just, he did yeah. act the hell out of it. Whereas I think at least with Mank, I really liked his performance, thought he was very good. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could see kind of Mank's personality much more than I could see take Churchill's, for example. I think he imbued, a much more subtlety and he let his kind of actual emotions come to the fore much more not just anger like he kept his kind of rage silent sometimes he burst out sometimes and you know i, I just really liked he gave it a bit of depth that i wasn't expecting from right. you know a screenwriter i wouldn't you know wouldn't be the most interesting character but i think yeah, he made him the character that he is um yeah. Erica, what do you think about the performance? I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, but for me, really, it's Tuppence Middleton. Like, I, again, I just thought she was incredible. Like, I loved her. I think she mm. is like a hidden gem. Like, I feel like I really haven't heard a lot of other people talking about her. And I'm just like, she needs no. some credit. And honestly, like, I think her and Seafred probably had the same amount of screen time, right? Like, yeah. 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 And I just like, I don't know. I just loved her. I thought she was incredible. So I hoping she comes, you know, out of the woodwork and gets something like I would love that because I thought she was someone who I wasn't even she wasn't on my radar. Um, mm. And like, I didn't I mean, Lily Collins, like she was fine. Like, I was just kind of like, meh, it was fine. You know, like, <laughs> but Seafred, I thought was incredible. Um, But really, for me, it's tough and subtle thing. Like, I thought she was incredible. I loved her. I wanted more of her kind of like, you know, with um Wells with Tom Burke, right? Um, same kind of feeling for me with her. I was like, mm-hmm. every scene she was in, I felt like she demanded your attention. Um, not in the same way as Wells, right? But as mm-hmm. like, you know, this woman who is married to Mankiewicz and puts up with his shit and, you know, um, but she was also like quick and funny and vulnerable. Like I love the scene um, at that, uh, the the party, like with the, um, 
uh, with the um, election. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, when she like leans over or she's like, excuse me. And then she leans over and she's like, I'm going to go throw up. Like, I just loved, <laughs> like, I just thought that was so, I don't know. She was just so good. I loved her. Um, so I hope she gets some type of recognition. I think that election scene is a nice one to it kind is. of bring up, actually. Yeah, for because editing is, and... Yeah. yeah, for editing, yeah, for like, kind of lighting and mm-hmm. the way they kind of do all that stuff. And I mm-hmm. I did like how you could see with, say, Mike himself, he did not want to be there for a second. And he <laughs> right. was just kind of going through the motions of what he thinks people want him to say. Right. Like when he makes that joke about, oh, what are you guys drinking when he has the... Beer? Oh, no, you're my, I dropped my phone. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Uh, I'll say that again. Um, when he picks up his champagne bottle yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of says, oh, what are you guys going to drink? Ha, 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 ha. Right. And that's just a joke that, you know. Yeah, I he, thought that was good. I think I thought it was nice that you could tell he made that joke for the crowd by himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where kind of the subtlety of all the performers does shine through a bit more. Right. Is in moments like that. Right. Yeah, I thought um, I found him really charming too. Like you were just talking about, yes. how, yeah. Like I found him super charming. Even like you know, thinking back to kind of the beginning, right? Like the the scene right as Seifert is um, being introduced when he's on the set, right? I also just loved mm-hmm. like, oh, look at this old Hollywood set, right? And how they're making movies back then, right? Um, mm-hmm. I love that. But the part where he is like talking, and and then she's like oh pops loves you or whatever she says you know and he's Mm. just like kind of like walking with like this swag like yeah i know i'm cool you know and it's like (laughs) i thought he was like super charming i'm like yeah he is cool like (laughs) Mm. um but yeah i also loved again their dynamic like uh mank and sarah when she when they get there and she's like if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all and then they get to the table and (laughs) the woman says something about like his brother or something right and he just He's just like smiling and everyone's like waiting for him to say something. He's just smiling. And you know, it's because <laughs> she just told him, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And don't I, say anything at all. Yeah. And I love that he's like obeying her, like being a smart ass, mm. but like still obeying her. Right. Um, yeah. 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 I just thought he was super charming. Again, like comparing him to his like performance in The Darkest Hour, like I found nothing about his performance there charming. Right. Mm. Um. Yeah, so mm. I I'm sure he'll get a nomination. I wouldn't be surprised if he won, um, but I really hope Tuppence comes out of comes out of there with some recognition. I don't think it will happen, but she's yeah, had they... a great she's had a great year. She was in Possessor as well. I haven't seen oh, it yet. I didn't but... see that. I didn't see that either. Possessor but, um, so good. Is but it? the fact she's in you know two of the year's biggest films? Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She's 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 had a very good 2020. Yeah. Maybe. And 20... she's English as well. I I didn't I don't really know know her from anything else. Um, no. kind of having having a look through her stuff she seems to do a lot, lot of kind of uk tv stuff mm. imitation game apparently oh yeah yeah, yeah. Well. i did see that i looked her up too because i'm like what else has she been in yeah but she yeah i thought she was very good as well yeah mm. um so she, i think lily collins for me was most kind of middle of the road yeah, I don't um, she was whether of... that's because her natural accent is obviously american um mm. and i felt she I, I mean she obviously does a fine english accent but it kind of felt too proper and prim yeah um yeah, I mean, she she was fine. I think Every, everyone else w- was. She was all so included, I think, cookie was cutter. Good. Like she was so cookie cutter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. You knew exactly what her character was from the moment she appeared. Like yeah. And then she, I, I just she was just too cookie cutter for me. Like there was no depth. Well, there, there was, was no. 
the stuff about her husband as well, and yeah. I just didn't care about her character enough to really believe, you know, that storyline to hit home. Well, yeah, yeah. you knew at the end it was going to be fine, which is what I, like, when I say cookie cutter, that's what I mean. It's like, oh, yeah. her husband, and you're like, all right, he's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like, it was just <laughs> a little pre- little too predictable. I just, like you said, I didn't really care either, because, like, I knew it was going to be fine, and, like, how she, like, doesn't like Mank, and then you know, we get that story about him, which I think makes us as the audience like him more. And then all of a sudden she's like immediately accepting of him. That was just like yeah. kind of convenient. But again, like I thought it was fine, but I just, it didn't make me feel any sort of way about her character. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. I, I think it was a bit of a surprise to me that she was the basis of Susan Alexander and Kane. Yeah. And they didn't build on that enough. I no. don't think. It was anywhere just near, anywhere oh, her, near enough. Yeah. Her name's Alexander. Oh, that's Susan. But, I think, was it kind of a combination of her and Marion Davis, potentially, because of the whole blonde bombshell thing of Hollywood? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, that story, that you know, that was something I was expecting. When I read, when we was reading about it before, it was like, oh, she's, you know, she's going to, there's going to be some kind of mention of her yeah. being in the screenplay or him naming a character after her. And I don't think it really gets brought up at all, unless I missed no. it. Right. I didn't notice it either. No. Um, yeah, I think the only kind of really obvious one I, I liked was that there was a clear point that I think they said that Mr. Meyer of MGM was based on, or Bernstein was based on him and Kane. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the only times they actually referenced a direct character and says, oh, this guy is going to be in this film as this role. Oh, well, and also the dinner scene where he's kind of mocking Hearst. Mm. Yeah, true. As that's well. True. And and he's talking about this character he's writing about. And I was mm. like, oh, well, that's, you know, quite on the nose Yeah, that Kane is based on you right. and other people, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. Um, did you guys pick up on any of the kind of more commentary kind of the film has towards Hollywood and the way that kind of plays out in the film because I know it's had a bit of a thing about how it deals with politics and Hollywood filmmaking that way did you pick up on any of the references it made um yeah sorry I, I was I was letting Chris go I didn't know I don't really oh, sorry I'm, I'm just having a think I'll let yeah go um did he, I was thinking when when you were asking this question Reese I was kind of thinking back to um did either of you watch on Netflix that show Hollywood oh the, not, the not Ryan Murphy one yeah did either of you watch I'd that? never watched it no yeah no. that was interesting I was thinking about that um but I and I was thinking about that because there's like those there was the scene where Mank you know arrives on like on the lot right and then there's the guy that mm. he sees and he's like oh I haven't had work or whatever and like that's I think really how it was like they would just people would kind of just stand outside and like wait to get called in to be extras mm. or you know whatever so I, I think that's pretty accurate um I liked just seeing like what the sets look like what the lot looked like um I love mm. the scene where um she leaves Marion Davis le- you know Seaford leaves um the lot and she has that big exit right and then Mank like yeah. runs her down and gets in the car and has that conversation with her. I love that scene. Um, mm. And then she, he wants her to go back or whatever, right? And she's like, "You're gonna laugh, but I can't go back." And he's like, "Why?" And she's like, "I've already made my exit." Like I just felt like that was like really, <laughs> really Hollywoodish, you know, like yeah. little things like that. Um, mm. I don't know. Is there anything that you're thinking of, like specifically? And it was just kind of for me. It was probably that the birthday party scene I mentioned earlier. Mm. But- that was a very kind of this is how the wealthy look upon actual mm. kind of you know 
real world problems. You know, mm-hmm. like one of them mm-hmm. even at one point says, "What's a concentration camp?" Like right. this is kind of the bubble that Hollywood lives in that they don't kind of think about the ones below them that they are right. entertaining. Well, I know? love the the. I mean, there's so many parallels there too, right? With what like it's kind of saying like hey, look, old Hollywood and new Hollywood are still the same, even, like, in terms of what's going on in society, right? Like, they're talking about, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to say any specifics here, but they're talking about, like, oh, that Hitler guy seems crazy, but all these people (laughs) love him, you know? I mean, hello, like, that's a direct nod to what's going on Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, I love those parallels. It's like, huh, things change, but do they really? Like, like you were Mm -hmm. saying, like, I still think that's very much, like, how you know hollywood and there was also that scene that i i just remembered it just now is the point again maya i i really like this maya guy this i think he was played by arlis what's his name arlis howard he played mm-hmm. louis B. maya he was really good there was a bit when he goes to speak to his kind of crew and he's like we've got to cut your salary but, oh. but he's like oh, we're a family we've got to pull this through together they'll believe it and like you're losing your money like you can't, you can't afford to rent next week because of this guy cutting your salary for no reason at all. And he was like crying crocodile tears and stuff. And I was like, this is a dickhead. <laughs> but this is what happens today. You know, this is what yeah. still goes on. People are cutting salaries for no reason, you know, just to justify bigger, more expensive costs that you don't really need to make. And I just thought it was really interesting that, like you said, things never change as much as they seem to. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. It was fascinating. Chris, any thoughts on that kind of side of it? Um... There's a scene outside the funeral, I can't remember whose funeral mm. it is, where he's approached and then he says, oh, you know, do come and see me, um, I'll book out some time. And he goes, well, you said the same thing after um, the last funeral, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I couldn't get to your office. Mm. So I thought that's pretty, you know, spot on about how kind of Hollywood management was run at the time. Yeah. And that's, and I, yeah. You know. And that, and I can say, like, I have some friends that live in Hollywood and like work in the biz, if you will. Um, mm. And they're like, if one more person says like, let's get coffee, let's get lunch. And then it never happens. They're like, I'm going to scratch <laughs> my eyeballs out. You know, yeah. it's just very much, you know, it's that thing where you see someone and you run into them and you're like, let's do whatever. And it's like, okay. And then it never really happens. Like it was kind of that, right? Like, yeah that's all yeah, no, i feel it was pretty well handled yeah 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 and I it's still something that's an issue as well <laughs> yeah definitely and i think that you've hit the nail on the head erica where it says that they seem like making changes but nothing ever does change mm-hmm. i think it's it's about time we do have a bit of a shake-up in hollywood and the way it works because if it, if this is what it was like what 80 years ago right then it's never gonna change really right. um i think i do want to shout out before we kind of move on to our next topic um i re- I, th- I loved the resna and ross score Oh, my oh God. yeah, I, was, I was going to mention that as well. It yeah. was so different than anything they've done, kind of this year, so or in, and so of the period as well. Yeah, it, like, it so felt good. like a forties, fifties film score. It was stunning. Completely, so good. I thought it was amazing. And I think this year we we're going to see two um, Reznor scores. This one, which was obviously kind of evocative of nineteen forties yep. cinema, but they also scored Soul. And I what can't they wait. do, what can't they do for, for Soul like. score is just unbelievable oh, like it's wait. again it's it's very evocative of like what they're trying to present i won't spoil it because the way it's used is yeah. very specific to the film uh, but it's just you know just in these two films in the space of what three weeks of each other you're gonna see their two op- opposing styles and they're both incredible and i think yeah i i'm gonna as soon as that manx soundtrack comes online i'm gonna oh, listen same. to it properly because yeah i think it would be good to kind of work too uh, yeah. it's a bit more accessible than say the social networks score or gone girls <laughs> I, think. I love that score that's my favorite <laughs> well no, accessible. I, I mean it, it's more um is less um 
Social networks is, is very intense. Yeah, I feel like, Reese, I feel like this exactly is a lot more kind of yeah. soothing, <laughs> soothing and kind of traditional yeah. uh, film school. Film school. That, not that that's a criticism of the social network mm-hmm. school, but I mean they're, they're like polar opposites of each other. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. it works so well. Oh, yeah, there's the social network score. So the, the scores I listen to the most are the social network, Parasite, Vertigo, and then this will definitely be added to that rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the social network score, again, I just gush about this film so please reel me in but um (laughs) um, you can listen to that score and see the scene like in your head you know what i mean like it's one of those like you know that exact moment in the film um when you hear that sound it's just perfection Mm. yeah i did love as well i think that my favorite part of the mank kind of score was the point when him mank and marion are walking through that kind of garden maze and then the elephant does his little roar, whatever yeah. the elephant sound is. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was really sweet. And that yes. was very kind of nice and melodic and yes. like on the piano. I thought that was really, really nice. Oh, I love yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that wraps up our mic charity. Do you have any final thoughts? Do you want to summarize your overall feelings? Has this chat elevated it in your mind, potentially, or brought it down in your minds? I'll start with you, Chris, this time. I think for me, it probably has elevated it. I think Erica's kind of so, um, you know, you're so into it and you love it. I think, I think, I think I'll give it a few weeks. Maybe wait till the new year and I'll give it another go. I think I, th- I need a bit of a break from Fincher after, after this kind of mini marathon I've done. But I think it's definitely what I'm going to revisit. And um, yeah, I think I didn't not like it. So, mm-hmm. so um, I think it was more a kind of slight like or mixed. But I feel like if I watch it again, like there might be more that I appreciate out of it. Yeah. So I might try and seek it out on the big screen if I can. Um, I don't know how long a run it's going to have, but no. if it, if it's going to be on a big screen near me, I might I might well check it out. That'd be cool. Did Did you have a star rating for it? Oh, uh, three and a half to four, I think. Uh, I'd probably lean towards three and a half. Fair enough. I'm I think I'm the same as you in that I do think this chat has definitely raised it in my head a bit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's when you look at how many, how many how many things that we've been able to discuss and that mm, we will right, like. Right. I think maybe I'm less mixed on it than I thought it was because there's yeah. actually quite a lot I do. I think um yeah, and um there's so many kind of small details to appreciate that I think it definitely warrants multiple rewatchings just to be mm-hmm. able to, you know, I spotted that, I spotted that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree um erica final thoughts on yeah. the star rating please yeah well i'm glad to hear i like helped elevate this a little bit in both of your <laughs> minds that makes me really yeah. happy um i think yeah i mean obviously i loved it i but i'm also so, again like i know i touched on this earlier i'm someone who loves old hollywood films so i think you know yeah. i've heard a lot of people like around our age and like on you know the twitter sphere say like i really haven't seen that many films from the, like prior to like the 80s or whatever right like so I think mm. too just this is my little plug to say like go back and watch some of those old Hollywood films I mm. think you might then when you rewatch Mank you might have a little bit more of an appreciation for those um mm-hmm. old Hollywood films and this was kind of I think a love letter to ho- like old Hollywood films and and yeah, um you know especially Citizen Kane I mean this is you know like we talked about like Citizen Kane is a big deal and I think this, you know, bellies right up to it. Not that I think Mank is like going to end up being what Citizen Kane was for film, but I think it's like the perfect little, like, um, yeah, a little love letter to it. Um, I think, 
I think it gets better the more you watch it. Like I watched it again, like I said last night after not seeing it from seeing it in the theater a couple weeks ago. And it was more enjoyable, I thought. Um, also, too, like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I, like, I'm so anticipating a film, especially Mink, like, I've been looking forward to Mink for so long. When I was in the theater, it was just, like, I couldn't absorb enough of it. You know what I mean? So I'm, like, mm. trying to absorb everything. And then, so I think this, like, last watch that I did yesterday was more of a relaxed watch, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it gets better the more you watch it. So give it another watch. Yeah, maybe give it a couple weeks, <laughs> Chris, um, and, <laughs> and then revisit it. But yeah, I think I think this is going to just be one of those films that people are split on regardless. So um, yeah. give it a chance. Get old, give old Hollywood films a chance because we wouldn't have the films we have today without those. So definitely. Yeah, that is a very optimistic note to end on. Yeah. Um, after our mic conversation. Um, so moving on to, I think, one we've touched upon briefly during that conversation, and it does link to a little personal plug. Um, in that last week, I wrote a kind of David Fincher ranking, mm. or a manking, as mm-hmm. I called it. Mm-hmm. Um, Love it. All of his films from the worst to best. Well, worst in quotation marks, because they're all at least good, I'd say. Um, and I thought I would ask you three, you two, sorry, what is your number one Fincher? I think we know what Eric is going to be. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what if i just so like I I st- like came out of nowhere and was like oh it's actually uh alien three yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to you after like, yeah. i think you're gonna have a nice little social network right or maybe not based kind of <laughs> soliloquy uh-huh. um but chris as you've just kind of finished a bit of a mini oh, crumbs a um, mini fincher if you have to pick one as think yes that's my favorite one which one would got, you pick i've got a few rumbling around i know that's not a ground answer but there's a few vying for top spot, um, mm. and whether they all tie for second or so. Um, Zodiac Seven and Social Network mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. top of my list. I know Seven tops your your poll. Yeah, it does. Um, Spo- spoilers, but yeah. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> apologies for anyone. That, apologies for anyone that didn't know that. Um, Fight Club actually in the mix as well. Um, I think Zodiac because it's mm. it, it's longer than a lot of the other ones, mm. um, and it but the it does not feel two hours forty yeah. minutes. Yeah, no. Like the way it kind of the main cast in that film are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, fit the period detail um, for you know sixties, seventies, mm-hmm. and then eighties, I guess. Yeah, is on the money. The period, the score, um, soundtrack is fantastic. You know, uh, I think he gets a lot of criticism for not using. Like music in the same way some other directors do. I've mm. seen so I've sort of seen a few comments online saying, "Oh, Fincher doesn't do needle drops." But when he does, mm. you know, he's one of the best at it because yeah. that film you have, I think the opening you have uh, Santana Soul Sacrifice, which is brilliant, mm-hmm. and then later on there's a sort of CGI scene where uh, Marvin Gaye's playing, which is just phenomenal. And you know, I think the whole film is fantastic. One of Robert Downey Jr.'s best performances mm-hmm. outside yeah. the MCU. Mm-hmm. but he wasn't in it enough for me <laughs> but no. you know he's not the main character it's, it's Gillenall and Ruffalo uh, yeah. those two are both fantastic as well I, I, it, you know it's not a story I know a massive amount about and I think that's something he does quite well throughout his films is because Social Network again on paper it's not a very accessible topic mm. but he kind of he makes it work oh, and similar yeah, with Zodiac really like mm-hmm. you don't have to know about the case to, to, to appreciate the film um, yeah it is just stunning really is stunning mm-hmm. it uh, is. Uh, but I, d- I probably would have that as when I'm on for now. But I, again, I feel like uh, on rewatching some of these, that might change. But yeah, for now, it's um, Zodiac, I would say. Just about everything. Zodiac everything comes amazing. everything comes together. And I think the performances are some of the best he's managed to get mm-hmm. out of actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I think the period detail is, is spot on as well. Mm. Uh, like just and considering it's an unsolved case, mm-hmm. and exactly. you know, and you know that the tension he builds mm-hmm. when you when you when you're interviewing the suspects mm-hmm. and the, you you know the despair the police and the journalists are going through, it's just so realistic. Yeah, and the fear on the streets as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. Everything about it is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love that. Like, I feel like the film does want you to think this guy is the Zodiac killer. But it, yeah. it, it, try, it does everything it can to point you towards him, but it can't convict him, you know? I think that's, it's so well done. The ending of that film was amazing. And I think I also found out that I think in Zodiac, it's got one of his only kind of two or three handheld shots in his entire film career. Mm. And it's like, yeah, there's like, there's a scene where it's outside, like this, there's like cars around the place, yeah, yeah, yeah. a crime scene or something. Yep. And that is one of the only handheld camera shots he's ever done in his whole career. Because oh, he hates that. doing it. Yeah. Which oh, is, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Erica, what do you feel? Do you like Zodiac? I love Zodiac. I am a true crime junkie, like just from the jump, Mm -hmm. like I always have been. So of course, like the story of Zodiac is one that I knew really well. I actually have the book that the film is based on, like the source material Mm -hmm. for it. Um, And yeah, I love, I mean, yeah, Zodiac's amazing. Like it's, it's, nearly perfect um mm. the way i there's there's actually a really cool um youtube video that i found talking about again we've been talking a lot about fincher's uh use of cgi and how they mm. um made it look like san francisco in that era right how they took um what they filmed and then like changed it to cgi yeah. to match like that's a really cool look if you want to um really cool watch if you want to look that up on youtube but yeah i love mm-hmm. zodiac yeah i love jake gyllenhaal just overall right um <laughs> like who doesn't who doesn't right um <laughs> um so yeah so yeah no i love zodiac i love zodiac but obviously the social network is my favorite um and i also really mm-hmm. love gone girl um i love love gone girl um and justice mm. for panic room panic room makes my top, <laughs> makes my top five i think it's so good i don't think it gets the love that it should um and you know what i it's funny because i'm not like i first of all lists and rankings stress me out like everyone's doing like <laughs> their end of year rankings right now and like even the thought of mm. like ranking my fincher films like stresses me out um i love watch i love seeing other people's rankings but like the thought of having mm. to like do my own like i'm literally starting to feel my armpit sweat right now um <laughs> so so the thought of that stresses me out but like i was it's funny because i always thought my rankings were a social network gone girl and zodiac and now i'm thinking I, zodiac and gone girl might be flipped but i Ooh. yeah oh interesting yeah i don't know and like i said like fight club doesn't even make my top five like it's mm. for me it's probably social network either zodiac or gone girl two or three and then seven and then panic room those are my top five finchers um the only fincher i haven't seen is alien three um which i will get to because it is on hbo max um and i just (laughs) recently for the first time watched the girl with the dragon tattoo that was another one those were the oh that's a good one yeah i like dragon tattoo yeah those were the only two i hadn't seen so i was like i need to my one coworker is always like you need to watch all of them if you're gonna say you're such a fincher fanatic blah 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 (laughs) um so i was like oh i need to watch a girl the dragon tattoo so i watched it the other night it was very good i felt like that was a little long um Mm. again great performances and once it like picks up it really takes off and and runs with it i had i had like put off watching that for such a long time because i wanted to read the book first like in my optimistic brain i was like i'll read the book and then see it and then i like kept putting it off because i hadn't read the book 
And I was like, I just need mm. to watch it. Um, and I'm glad I did. Um, it's a shame we never got a second one or a third one. Yeah, right. it really is. Because he was going to make the trilogy yeah. at one point, I think, mm-hmm. with yeah. Daniel Craig and yep. Rudy Mara. Yep. And I just yep. d- don't know what happened there. I know we got that Claire Foy, which I don't know if that's in the same continuity <laughs> as this, but yeah, yeah well, it's I such a shame. We the, never Claire, got the Claire Foy one is like, that's based on the newest book in that franchise. Yeah, so it's not based on the second or no. third um, Stieg. No, right, Stieg, Stieg Larson, Larson yeah. Um, but I think um, with Dragon Tattoo, I think, for me, that is one of the few kind of English English language remakes of a foreign film that actually does improve it, mm. I think. Yeah, like the well, Swedish one is good, but the, the Fincher one, I think, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be divisive, doesn't it? Because uh, mm. I've, I've seen a few people saying, "Oh, you know, um, oh, um, Numi, is it Numi Rapace? Numi Rapace, yeah. That was she was better than Rudy Mara, and um, I haven't seen the Swedish one, so mm. I can't, I can't say. But I think a few people I know said, "Oh, the Swedish one's better." But maybe right. Fincher's has aged over aged better than the Swedish mm. ones have. Yeah, maybe potentially. Um, but I think for me, for my number one Fincher, I've had this conversation in my head so many times, <laughs> and I think. Social network is has to be in the conversation. Yes. Um. But so. I think we've talked about it so much. But it is amazing. Andrew Garfield is amazing. Oh my god. Jesse Eisenberg's amazing. The soundtrack's amazing. Just Sorkin script. Yes. You know me Please and Sorkin. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. It's inc- but it's I'm amazing. gonna just shout out. Oh. I'm gonna shout out Gone Girl. I think more than Social Network. I really? think that is. I'm yeah, shocked I by think... you saying that. But I also, <laughs> like I said, Gone Girl is usually my second. Um, mm. I'm shocked by you saying that and not Social Network. It's, I don't know what it was. I think when I saw Gone Girl, I remember I saw it in the cinema and it was a weird thing where <laughs> I was sat behind this family uh-huh. and this couple had a baby in the cinema with them what? during oh Gone Girl. Yeah, they, <laughs> but they left after about 20 minutes. So I've got that in my like brain as like, as a memorable cinema memory. That's so um, funny. It's so bizarre. But I think Gone Girl has such a cool vibe yeah, to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the soundtrack is stunning. I think the way it's shot and the mm-hmm. story is captivating. And I've, I've read the book before it as well. Yes, the book And I think it tells... The book's really good, yeah. but I think it tells the story really effectively. Yeah. And most importantly, Rosamund fucking oh, Pike. She's amazing. <laughs> she's brilliant, isn't she? Oh, she is amazing. amazing. Like, for me, I am so frustrated that her career hasn't taken off more than it has. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Because um, that yeah, she's, performance... she's had a very stop start career. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think like I she's thought, been in a yeah. I, I thought that performance would have been the one to take her to superstardom. You know? Right. Did she get an Oscar nom? She did. She did, yes. but didn't win. It was that was that was the that film's only nomination, which yep. I think is oh, blind shocking. Well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I did agree. Gillian Flynn write the screenplay as well? She, she did. did. Yes. She did. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I thought she had. I was. I was struggling to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I love Gone Girl, and I don't know. Have either of you seen Promising Young Woman yet? Uh, no, not but out in the it UK comes yet. out soon, very soon. Yeah, Chris, I think Christmas Day for everyone, right? Mm, yeah, well, I think so. February for us, isn't it? Oh, I thought. Oh, uh, what? When? Maybe uh, unless unless they've moved it forward, but it was February, and there was a oh. big fuss about that. Oh my! Oh, well, I hope me. you guys get it before then. I luckily was able to get a mm. screener, and I obviously mm. can't talk about it yet, but I will say it's <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> And I think <laughs> yeah. in I think in one of my like tweets I said like Gone Girl walked so promising young woman could run and they're not at <laughs> all the same but I think people will understand what I mean when I say that uh, but yeah Gone Girl okay. it's because it's one of those things like I don't know again like obviously I'm not a man so I'll defer to you two on this but 
Like, did mm-hmm. did Gone Girl scare you when you watched it? Like, were you like, because I watched it and I was like, holy shit, I hope men are terrified of women right now. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Promising Young Woman. I'm like, I can't wait for this to scare the shit out of men for years to come. Mm. I don't think I was, like, scared by it. Okay. I just thought, you know, it was, but there were some scenes, obviously, that was a bit terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah. one of the ones that sticks in my head is the when she's kind of when she's at neil patrick harris's house yeah and it's not when she kills him spoilers yeah but it's oh. the <laughs> it's the bit when um she like fakes on, um crying on camera oh yeah like that she's like been attacked and yeah. i was like oh that is so dark yeah that is horrible oh and that's so fincher uh, it's so that's why it's so good mm. it's because yeah. it's so fincher too right like and he always says like you know there's a quote of his that i love i can't i'm gonna botch it but he says something about like a lot of people like to make films that are like happy-go-lucky or whatever, and and that's mm. not real life. I like to make films about real life, and real life yeah. is dark and messed up, right? Um, but yeah, I love Gone Girl. I love Gone. I love the. I love that you said this, Reese. But you, I this is a curveball because I thought for sure you're going Social Network, <laughs> like as yeah. The way you started it off, mm. it made it sound like you were gonna go headfirst into yeah i just thought you know no i love throw, it throw i love, it. In there, I love it i love but it i think it's so underrated it I, is underrated is a, is a big term because Absolutely. i think people love it Absolutely. but i think it is well, within his within his canon yes um i feel like he's not made any that are really um you know negatively reviewed possibly with the exception of valian free i mean benjamin yeah. button also i'd say is probably more well you say that but button middling. got like a billion it did, nominations. I think it got so. eleven Oscar nominations, but like yeah. it's Rotten Tomatoes score is quite low. Yeah. Comparatively. Yeah. And I don't know how well it's aged. I haven't watched it in about ten years. <laughs> I'm not bothered to watch it to be honest. I think I've watched it and I fell asleep, I think. Wait, what's why? Yeah, Wait, think... what are we talking about? What's... Benjamin Button. Oh, it's oh, like two oh, hours oh, yeah. fifty and it it doesn't need to be. Yeah. I think it's based mm. off a short story by Fitzgerald and he yeah. made it into a two hours fifty film. I know it's a passion project of his. And I think Brad Pitt, from what I remember, Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett were great, but I just yeah. get, I don't have a desire to go back Agreed. and rewatch no. it. Agreed. I've seen it once. Like, it, it was fine at the time. Yep. Um, maybe yeah. if, um, if I'm doing another Fincher Marathon, I might watch it again. Mm. <laughs> but, I, you know, I wasn't drawn into it. Yeah, again, it's one recently. of those, like, it's marvelously done. Like, it's really well done, but I don't have a desire to watch it again. Where, like, again... I'm thinking about when I get off this this call with you guys, like I might turn on the social <laughs> network again. Like that's how, like even just anytime it's brought up or talked about, and and it's so you know what's funny is that like I hate Facebook. I deleted my Facebook like five years, yeah, five years ago. I've never looked back, and it's just so funny that like mm. one of my favorite films is about Facebook. It's it's wild. Mm. Um, I actually wow. I just finished reading the book too again of what the source material for the social network is. Um, Accidental Billionaires oh. and. I highly recommend that. Um, there's so I didn't. Yeah, there's so I didn't much. Know it was a book. There was. There is. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a Sorkin and Fincher idea. But no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, and Sorkin has said that. So there's another book called Zucked, um, mm-hmm. that came out recently, not not too long ago. Um, and Sorkin has said like he will write the sequel to Social Network only if Fincher agrees to direct it. So. Oh. I, I saw yeah. that rumor circulating either earlier this year or last year. Mm-hmm. Um, art- Fincher, mm, not aside from any free, he's not done any sequels, so no, that'd, be interest, that'd be interesting. I hope I would happens. watch the shit out yeah. of it. But I would yeah. watch the hell out of oh, it. But, yeah. but, the, but the social network is so perfect. It's perfect. It is amazing. That it's there's perfect. no way a sequel. I know stuff has happened since, but like you'd have to get all the cast members back. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and some new ones, uh, right. and it would just have to be exceptional. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why Sorkin said he'll only do it if Fincher's willing to do yeah. it with yeah. him. Yeah, and I. So. Yeah, I think I think those two are, are a good enough marriage that they could pull off something like that twice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, they called me. I think, we talked um, about it. I said you guys should go for it. You know. <laughs> I, well, I think I think about Social Network because I, I had seen it before, but I watched it again recently. Mm. Um, and obviously, I was quite young when I first watched it, mm. but the the um. Everyone in it's kind of gone on to be quite big since. I don't think any yeah. of them were like major names at the time. So Garfield, Army Hammer, Rashida Jones, etc. None of them were like you know Rooney Mara. Household no, names now. None of them were household names, and now almost all of them are really. Yeah. And um, Eisenberg as well, I guess, had done yeah. a few things before. But the only one I guess was big was Timberlake, but not for his <laughs> yes. acting. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but it's like even Dakota one. Johnson's in it as well. Um, Dakota <laughs> Johnson's in it briefly as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, she is. That's. But yeah, so like the whole cast has gone on yep. to be. Yep big yeah mm. yeah so good which so which is amazing good. and it was it was a big success as well yeah, yeah i need to, i'm back to watch it again soon as well i just <laughs> loved it and i think I that think... has two of my favorite kind of fincher needle drops you've got the white stripes at the start and then that beatles this oh. the beatles song at the end is just oh. absolutely perfect. stunning i don't think i'd heard that you know i'm a big beatles fan but that's not one of their big songs oh it's no. perfect and the way because it's quite an unusual song the way he uses oh. it is just absolutely mind-blowing oh. yeah. and i remember i, I think there was a commode documentary on music and film mm. and he highlighted that baby or a rich man scene Mm-hmm. And I was like, my God, you know, that is so well <laughs> so done. Good. When you it when is. you break it down, why it works is just amazing. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. I think that has become, social network anyway, has become probably the defining film of the last decade. Absolutely. Like uh, it's, it's definitely one of, yeah. I still, yeah. Um, I'm still bitter at Lost to the King's Speech. The King's freaking speech. Yes, me too. Like, I'm I mean, so I, like, bitter. I like the King's Speech. I don't love it, Ugh. but I feel the social network is definitely... And there were other films in 2010 that could easily have beaten the King's Speech as Inception well. Inception could have been Black, King's Speech. Mm-hmm. Black Swan. Yeah. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think what else. Drew yeah, Grit. Yeah. It, that was quite a good year. And the yeah. fact that all we have... Perhaps that's why King's Speech won, because you mm. had all these kind of high, <laughs> you know genre films that were yeah. better but they cancelled each other out maybe <laughs> right it's funny reason. don't justify this <laughs> no but i'm just i'm just saying but it, it, it was a good year for movies it was year. a strong year yeah. Year, yeah it's funny reese you were talking about how you remember like you had this cinema experience theater experience with gone girl and that's mm. for social network like i remember sitting in the theater and that opening scene in social network is just <sighs> phenomenal the and, conversation yes the and yeah, yeah. And when that scene ended, because then it's him running across campus, right? Like, so that's kind mm-hmm. of just like, it's so fast paced in the beginning and then it slows down. That I remember when that scene ended and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is going to be one of my favorite movies, <laughs> like, ever. Like, yeah. I knew, like, and I'll never forget that theater experience. Like, I knew, like, oh, I'm going to absolutely love this. Film. The energy. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So good. So much energy. And like, in I'm that still film. broken heart that, like, Andrew Garfield, like, he not only de- deserved a nomination, he deserved a win. And I yeah, also definitely. really think, like, The Social Network is his story, right? Like, and he's the one, like I said, mm-hmm. that wrote the book, um, The Accidental yeah. Billionaires. So it's just, uh, I could talk about this. It, it is his story, I think. It like, is. Because well, yeah. Mark's quite quiet in it, and mm. the, a lot of the vocalness and the action comes from garfield mm-hmm. and the frustration well, and he's yeah, the, he's yeah and, the and you know that you got the laptop snapping yeah. and, but mm. he, he, the way he kind of controls his emotions and then that scene you know the one i mean where he lets it all out it's like you flip-flops uh, the best. <laughs> no, the, 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 well the laptop scene is just 
I'm coming back for it, all of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was like, yeah. oh my god, everything. So I think he says, but yeah, that that scene is just amazing. Like the three-way tension between him, mm. Timberlake, and Eisenberg, Eisenberg is just so well it's done. Unmatched. But I think as well, it, it the fact that you can mention, you know, one scene network, but I could think of five more that are incredible. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But I mean that that scene, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. recently is the scene that stood out to me. Yeah, also, I agree. What's the scene that there's stands a few, out there's, to everyone? There's obvious. Other contenders as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you've got like you know, the conversation at the bar, even you know, the first scene when they when he's devising that face mash in his yeah. room is amazingly done. You've got the uh rowing race scene with Flight yep, of Bumblebee by uh, Reservoir. Um yeah. it's just it's well, so many. The party scenes. the party raid as well. The party yes. raid's a good scene. But yeah. even like Reese, you know how you're talking about how obsessed you are with Sorkin and how amazing he is. Mm-hmm. And like the thing that I love the most oh not the most there I am obsessed with the whole thing, but like one of the things is like <laughs> how everything in the script comes back around like yeah. like they mention um like in the beginning when he's making the face smash thing and he's vlogging and he talks about like you know erica albright she might seem like a 34c but she's getting a lot of help from our friends at victoria's secret and then the, later mm-hmm. there's that whole scene in the bar with with um timberlake oh, i'm sorry um uh sean parker and mark mm-hmm. about about this the founder of victoria's secret like even the little things like yeah. that like where it all comes yeah, back yeah. around like he's just he's so good like he's like the dialogue's incredible like that scene for me it's like lately it's the scene where the winklevi go to talk to <laughs> um uh the d the the what's his name the guy at the school um the dean yeah yeah, the dean i just that whole scene like even from the beginning when they're sitting there and she's like this building is older than the country it's in or whatever and he and he's like (laughs) we're sitting in chairs like and Mm -hmm. then they go in and he's just so like the dean is just such a smart ass like he's like Uh, the bit when i I laugh every time when he says um (laughs) Diane, punch me in the, in the face. face. Yes, oh, that's like, I love so, that line so it's much. It's so good. And even like when he comes, when they come in and he's on the phone and he's like, I don't know, undergrads. But from the looks of it, they want to sell me a Brooks Brothers franchise. <laughs> like, <they're>, it's just <laughs> so, like everything about that scene is incredible. Like that's one for me where the dialogue is just so, uh, it, it, there's like not a lot of action happening, right? They're just sitting there having this conversation, mm. but the way it's shot and edited and, the, just the dialogue it just elevates it to this like yeah. unforgettableness right um it's well that's so what good. fincher makes fincher makes that film yes. as good as it is yes. and the screenplay is amazing but yes he films dialogue Correct. like action scenes Correct. you know yes and it's just it's so exciting yes. to watch i just i do love that film oh. to death i think i might have to rewatch that as well oh, so <laughs> so good i rewatch it so much <laughs> please netflix never take it away but, uh, i feel like that's a film that really another film that warrants rewatches oh, yeah. because oh, it's just so different yeah. and visceral and for a film that doesn't sound action packed right mm. right you know in considering it's a drama and character driven yeah. and dialogue driven there mm-hmm. is so much action in it yeah. it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. unbelievable i mean it's a it biopic is. too right just like how mink is um, yeah yeah I, I, I meant to bring that up yeah. in our mink bit but yes yeah <laughs> completely different types of bio. right mm. right and, I think and that shows you know Fincher's range his range sure. exactly sure. yeah yep yeah <laughs> yep yep um that is a very nice way to finish i think that brings us full <laughs> circle yeah. into a little <laughs> mank fincher not bow thing um so before i go i want to say a quick thank you to our lovely patreon subscribers um anyone who is a subscriber to the top tier of our patreon 
get a shout out on the podcast so thank you very much for listening and your support as always um and i've been your host reese and i've been joined today by chris and erica um before you both go uh chris where can we find you on twitter have you got anything to plug here is your minute to kind of sell yourself to the crowd please yes so um let me get my twitter handle up i can't i do know it um (laughs) It is Chris Connor 96. Um, yeah, so I'm um, kind of working in all things PR at the minute and do a bit of freelance writing for Jump Cut and Co. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can kind of find my ramblings on cinema, TV, and occasionally music there. Lovely. Thank you very much. And Erica, where can we find you? Anything you want to plug that you've done recently? Yeah, so you can find me um, on Twitter at Erock Reviews and on Letterboxd at Erock114. Um, mm-hmm. I write for Their League, CRP Writes, and In Session. Um, I just wrote a piece on Catherine Bigelow um, and how she mm-hmm. uses masculinity and em- empathy in um, The Hurt Locker. So that just came out on Their League. Um, I'm actually going to start writing a thing for In Session on... Um, Hitchcock's I've never seen right so like I'm a huge Hitchcock fan but there's there's I mean he has such a huge catalog there are films of his that I've never seen so I'm gonna try to find some of his older like not as well known and kind of like compare them to his well-known stuff so we'll we'll see yeah so um that'll be coming out in session film at some point um but yeah you rock reviews I tweet a lot you can follow me there lovely thank you very much yeah thank you for um, having thank you for thinking of me and having me on this this is so much fun <laughs> no problem oh, likewise, at all Reese, it's been brilliant it's been, i'm glad I've, I've really enjoyed this and i think i'm glad that we got to dive into mank yeah. like we did because i think that's really helped me think about it in a much more kind of detailed level and i'm gonna yeah. revisit it in a few weeks um but yeah on, on that note i've got a few things on jump cut online at the minute so i like i mentioned earlier i did a fincher ranking that i really enjoyed writing so you want to read that and find out what how the order goes, please do. And I also did a review of a documentary recently called A Thousand Cuts, mm. um, which is a very kind of political, you know, very relevant to today documentary that if you have any kind of knowledge of politics, it would probably interest you to watch it. So please mm. feel free to watch that review. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Erica and Chris for being on. And I will see you next time. Cheers. Farewell. Goodbye. Thank you.